0: Hello and welcome to Lore Watch, a roundtable freeform discussion about lore and the games of Blizzard Entertainment. I'm your host, Joe Perez, one of several lore folks from Blizzard Watch, and I've got my stupendous co host with me today, Matt Rossi. How are you doing today, Matt? I'm good. <laughs> for, uh, for anybody who uh, has been living under a rock, Uh, This past weekend, at the time of this recording, was BlizzCon, the virtual BlizzCon, uh, which we've all been really looking forward to and have just spent the last two days and change feverishly covering. Uh, And that's going to be the topic of, well, most of our discussion today, because... Boy, was there a bunch of stuff definitely had to do with. Uh, and we also had a wonderful interview with uh, Steve Denauer, who just was a delight to have on the podcast. And, and if you haven't listened to that episode already, please go back and listen to it before you listen to this one. We'll wait. It's fine. OK, so Matt, mm-hmm. of all the things that we saw that potentially relates back to the game lore or, or any of the games, Diablo or uh Warcraft because the other games seem to not really exist. I think accurately put it, this BlizzCon was basically Diablo and its wonderful friends. Uh yeah, yeah, very much it was Diablo and its amazing friends. Uh what was your what was your probably your your biggest or or most important takeaway or, or story wise?
1: Well I mean there's a few things. Lore wise it was good to get some confirmation of the fact that the reason that Sanctuary is in the state it's in is because of Malthiel. Okay. That uh, I don't know if the number that was used is an exact number or if he was just you know, using it. But during one of the Diablo uh, talks, uh, the, the figure 90%, 9 out of 10 people got killed uh, during Malthiel's attack. I don't think that's accurate, but it does basically what happened with Malthiel was like the black death in Europe where like enough people died that, you know, places were unsettled for a while where like, you know, civilization effectively shrank because so many people were dead. Uh, I think that's what you're looking at with like, one of the things they did was show off various places and Chaldeum, which used to be like the cradle of the civilization in the East, the home of the Vizurian mage clans has been utterly ruined. Like it's, it's a shadow of what it was. Um, so there's there's that. I think that's pretty interesting if you want to talk about Diablo stuff. For World of Warcraft, nothing much happened. There wasn't any lore. No, nothing nothing really is going on. So we don't have to talk about that at all. Uh, in fact, I think we're done. So yeah, we'll be back next week. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, I think it's kind of hard to ignore, but I think you're going to talk about it. So I'm going to instead talk about how I think it's interesting we're getting to go to um, Korthia which is a lost place. We talked before about how the Shadowlands felt empty. Like when you look at the Shadowlands map from from up to the current the current Shadowlands map if you're in the live game right now, it felt empty. It felt like there's a lot there that isn't visible that you can't go to yet. And now we're finding out that as part of his machinations, the Jailer has actually extended chains from the Maw and claimed a new part of the Shadowlands and is literally dragging it into the Maw. Uh, using those chains. And now we're going to go to that place where the, the the promises that there are secrets behind the foundation of the Shadowlands, the the ancients, the various things we see when we go to Oribos, um, they're similar things to them there in Corthia. And also, uh, at least one interview that I saw mentions that the, the Dreadlords will be making an appearance. Yeah, which, I mean, we were kind of
0: hoping, uh, I don't know, expecting would have been a maybe a strong word because we weren't sure, at least I wasn't sure what they were going to do with it ever since we found the Spire of the Unseen Guest, was it?
1: Yeah, I believe so. Uh,
0: and the, the journal that was left behind and the implications that they went to Nathrius and the Maw all along, like there's been a lot of, of really interesting stuff with them. I wasn't expecting that we'd see them really this expansion, but it makes sense that if their basic goal was to manipulate. As well as find secrets. That if we're going to a land where secrets are to be found, that we're probably going to run into those same type of. Uh, I I agree with you though. I think it's actually really interesting that they're bringing in more places for the Shadowlands. It's actually something we speculated uh, a while ago. You know, not just because there's a thousand doors in the sky, but uh, there's everything seemed to point towards them having a blank slate to keep bringing more realms in, in order to tell the story of the Shadowlands. And that's exactly what they're doing, right?
1: I think war-wise, it's generally been accepted from the beginning that Orbos at full anima, when the anima flow is operating normally, Orbos is a hub, and you go from there to all sorts of places. Um, But I think we should talk about the thing that I didn't talk about because I figured you'd talk about it.
0: Oh, you mean the thing that I went on like a 30-tweet rampage last night? (laughs) yeah yeah that thing (laughs) so one of the big reveals was uh 9.1 chains of domination uh, obviously the next content patch is coming out but there was a video attached with it and that video was uh it was essentially you're going through you see Bastion, you see Kyrestra and her uh most trusted lieutenants or generals or whatever they're called the aspects of whatever paragons. That's it. Paragons. Yeah. yeah. Uh, her paragons are all discussing about what to, what to do, what to do. Uh, and it opens up with a very poignant line about, you know, without Maldraxxus, Bastion alone can't fight this war against the Maw. The Maw's gotten too powerful. Uh, and it basically is relaying in terms of the characters that we interact with exactly what they've been saying all along is that you know, we have to unite these factions. We have to go and get them. Now that we've got them some anima to power them up, now we need to get them all fighting together instead of their own individual wars. And during this, one of the, I can't remember her name. It's the one you interact with the most. Uh, she's the one that tries to help Pelago. Uh, yes thank you uh i've
1: been pushing the wrong button for a solid 30 seconds trying to tell you that <laughs> number lock why aren't you helping me oh because you're not the right button <laughs> uh
0: but she shows up and says that there's a uh, a mortal who has come to uh speak with Chirestra, and you know it's like well you know what is it a mall walk or whatever going on i was like no this one's a king and I could hear in my brain, like, everybody thinking, oh, this is probably going to be like Arthas. Well, no, it, it wasn't. The king that was walking through the halls was Anduin. Uh, and it's Anduin free from whatever chains he was in, in the inside of Torghast until you find out that it is not him. There's a scene where Uther's walking by, being escorted by a couple of the Curian, and he touches, uh, and his wound is like, sort of like, uh, it, it's like those phantom pains. Like, you know, when you, I have a bad knee, and when it's gonna rain, my knee hurts. Like, before it ever, ever starts raining. Sort of the same thing. It's that, that phantom pain, that pain that he feels, and he looks away real quick, shuffles off, and then you find out that the jailer is riding around inside of Anduin and that he's after very specific things. Yeah, I, I,
1: I'm going to stop you because I don't think that's quite correct. I don't think he's in there. I think he's literally, it's it's not possession, it's obsession, the, the classical uh, control from without. I definitely don't think the jailer is riding around inside Anduin. It's more like a drone. Uh, partially I think that because of what happens and that you're gonna talk about soon. Um but also I think there's a reason he needs Anduin in the first place. I would agree. And that's that he can't get out of the maw. Yeah. So And that's why he drags Corthia into the Maw. Because he can leave. Yeah, and his forces have a hard time getting out. So Yeah, but continue. We're we're probably going to
0: debate about that particular part in a little while, but he winds up leaping through the air, transforming mid air into uh, what looks like a very Death Knighty version of himself, very similar to what you kind of got from Arthas when he was a Death Knight before he became the Lich King. Stabs Caerestia uh, with his Mourn Blade and sucks in one of the runes into it, and then disappears. And later on, uh, well, the scene shifts and it's him presenting the blade with the key. To the Jailer, and the Jailer turning around and saying that the vessel performed perfectly, and you get this very interesting, very knowing look from Sylvanas. Now, the part that I skipped over a little bit is when he's stabbing Kyrestra, there's this point where Anduin comes back to the forefront and sees what he did and looks with horror before the armor that he's wearing, the runes flare up, and take back control? Uh, so yeah. What do you think of, of all of that scene? What do you think of that?
1: That's, that's basically the reason I think that he's not possessed. I don't think there's anything riding around inside him. I think he's literally being, you know, like a remote control car, um, because you see the, the magic essentially reassert itself to command him. Um, that's why I think that he is basically being puppeted around. I don't think he's being ridden inside. Uh, I don't think that the jailer leaves the maw. Yeah. Um,
0: and I would tend that's, that's...
1: to I, I tend to agree with it, but I think
0: it, it, it's for me, it's almost very similar to uh the Avatar of Sargaris, where a piece of Sargeras was still inside of it, even though it was being remote controlled.
1: Mm, uh, no, see that's that I I think that is actually different. Um I I don't think this is the same thing. Um because the Avatar was a created being that that fit the entirety of like Sargaris put his essence into the thing. He made it to hold himself. I don't think Anduin is that. I think it's much the same way as like, you were talking in your thing about how Anduin makes himself a vessel for the Holy Light. Yeah. The, the entire Holy Light does not go into him. Fifth. Like the Holy Light is a, is a cosmic force. <laughs> it uses him, but it doesn't jump into the guy. It's not even like it puts him on like a pair of shoes. It's more like, you know, he is the tiniest. If to me, it feels more like the Holy Light, uses him as a perspective camera for a second as it's doing what it's doing Yeah, so it's like here's my viewpoint yeah let's Uh, let's let me uh, let's go through and and maybe talk
0: a little bit about that from the beginning because the the cinematic to me gave me a couple really interesting insights early things that i had been kind of guessing and speculating and things you've probably heard us say here on the show about the lich king and now recently about the um so we know, and I'm going to keep it short because I, I could read this thing off and it'll be a thousand. But short version is that the Lich King was a long gambit. It wasn't necessarily uh, created to be an undead horde generating machine. It, My thing is, I think that it was created the Helm of Domination and Frostmourne to basically create a set of rabbit ears on a body so that Zolval could exert control and have some presence in our world that he couldn't do otherwise. Because again, he's stuck in the mall; He's chained there, cannot leave. And unfortunately for him, all of his plans leading up to that point kind of failed. Uh, who and, and I think the choices for these these folks were actually very specific. Nerzul, one of the most powerful shaman in all of existence... Uh, and tr- basically, sought after by all the shamans, regardless of clan, as an advisor, particularly in matters of spiritual spiritualism and healing, was the first target. But the problem was, is he made. You know, his masters in the Legion a little too angry and didn't have a physical body. So he got slammed into the Helm of Domination. and That was great. And then sent back to Azeroth. But there was no body for Zoval to really kind of circumvent. Then or, or to RC pilot around. Uh, and he was also then stuck inside of the Frozen. Then you have Arthas, who throughout his travels as a Lich King, is this, this vessel of the light. He's this naive, powerful uh, king in making that you know, just happens to have this sense of nobility that can be exploited. You get him all the way to the edge, and then what winds up happening? He dies. He he is dead at the point where he, like, rips out his own heart. He's no longer exactly mortal.
1: Okay, I feel like you're making some illusions that are changing the way these characters actually are that, that do not accurately portray them. Okay. Like, you're talking about Nerzul, you're forgetting that Nerzul spent that long period of time not as a member of the he was never actually serving the legion he mm-hmm. was betrayed and then abandoned and I, he was never actually a servant but but more importantly Artus wasn't dead when he took up frostmort and he wasn't dead as an as the entire time he's a death knight he wasn't dead and he mm-hmm. wasn't even dead when he put the helm of domination on his head he didn't do any of that stuff with the taking his heart out until after he had the helm of domination yeah. and after he had spent five years sitting on a chair thinking about it. So that's something that I feel like it possibly has an impact on what you're saying because he wasn't dead. Maybe, and I'm and, I'm, 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 para, I'm I'm trying to, and this is my fault. Well, no, I'm because trying to go quickly. A, I'm trying, a, trying to a, move quickly. Yeah, yeah, I know, but we got an hour here. Um, you made a point in your tweet thing that... Death magnifies people's personality traits. That's what it seems. It, it, un- death, fine, undeath right? seems to. Right? That's fine. But he wasn't that. Arthas, as a Death Knight, wasn't undead. He was, in fact, unique amongst Death Knights. He wasn't. He wasn't like Taran Gorefiend. He wasn't like any of the Death Knights that came before him. He was. And he still was unlike on, The ones that
0: came after him. Yeah,
1: and the ones he made himself, you know, are much closer. Because again, you know, Nerzul Nir- didn't create the first death knights but he studied them mm-hmm. it was guldan who made the first death knights and the first death knights were were very different um but it was nerzul studied terran when the two of them were working together and i feel like that's where arthas got the idea from the helm of domination but regardless arthas was a very unique set of circumstances i think to a certain degree because arthas spent all that time as a death knight serving nerzul and then put the helm on and then there was that that weird struggle for control that we see in the arthas novel the two it almost feels like the two of them were struggling over which one of them would get to be the one to refuse the the zoval if you want to if you want to go along that path but he wasn't dead and i don't think it was on death that made arthas an unfit vessel i think it was the fact that arthas basically views himself as the hero of his story in a way that I don't think Anduin does. Yeah, and and maybe
0: that's maybe that's it. But it's it's sort of like it still boils down to a personality I don't defect would I guess the way I would. Defect
1: put it. I don't wouldn't use the word defect, but I, I think We should talk about, your idea about Anduin is what I want to focus on, so why don't you talk about why you think Anduin is here?
0: Okay, so let's get to that point. So one of the things that I think was interesting is that most of the folks that would be targeted, uh, at least on Azeroth, were folks that could prime vessel. And one of the things that I think is very evident about the light, especially after the course of the last couple days, and thinking about back over some of the items since even the Broken Shore, uh, is that the light isn't wielded. It's not a blade that a character holds in there. Instead, it's something they call out to a living entity that they ask to through them. And they, in effect, become a vessel for the light. And, and
1: here, here it is. Here is your problem. Okay. You're wrong. Okay. And I can give you one guy who will t- show you why you're wrong. Okay. Sir Zeliac. Sir Zeliac forces the light to do what he wants. He doesn't ask it. He doesn't call out to it. He doesn't become a vessel to it. He uses it. Now he and he does this through sheer faith. Even though he's undead, even though he's a death knight, even though he's in service to the Lich King, he controls and commands the light. So I'm not saying that it can't be the way you're saying it is. I'm saying that there is an approach difference to how the light responds. Maybe. And I think you need to focus on that mm-hmm. because you're 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 talking about Anduin, and I think you're right about anduin and the but not about the light as a thing the light can also
0: i also think that they may have in in the course of zeliac they keep referring to it as heating not yeah but
1: it's still it's the light does not seem to have that kind of personification if you look at how zera tried to use it on illidan if you look on how it's used i definitely think that there are that's what makes me but that's
0: what but, sorry. But that's what that's what makes me think that there's an element of inviting it in at that point, because Illidan refuses. He's capable of refusing. He's capable of refusing the light entering because that's- the
1: light doesn't have. Again, if the light is something that can be called, it's something that can choose whether or not it's going to respond. It doesn't choose whether or not it's going to respond. And I think mm-hmm. that that's that's very much something we've seen with Velen, with with Zeliac, with others. The light doesn't. I think the problem we have is that we keep thinking of the light as something that has a will. See, and, and it, it does in a cosmic sense, but I don't think the light.
0: Oh, I don't know how to put that. See, but here's my problem with 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 that statement, though. And I, and I was talking with Ted about this a lot too. Is if that's such the case, then why does the light fail to be used by certain folks of high faith? In
1: because their faith isn't strong enough. Tier, Look at here's 14? one example. Yes, exactly. Tyrion Fordring went and lived in a hut for 20 years rather than face up to his responsibility. Everybody is flawed. Everyone in the Warcraft universe, one of the cool things about it is everybody is flawed. Nobody is perfect. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the fascinating things about the light and the void and the other forces that they oppose. They don't just oppose each other. They oppose other forces across the cosmos. The, the light is not, you know, operate unopposed in this world's realm, like I said the other day. I think it's really fascinating because, to a certain degree, the light is what you bring to it, and that's why I think you might be right about how Anduin approaches it. Yeah, Anduin which, does not ahead. seem. To, Anduin does not seem to push the light. He doesn't. There's a very one of the things I real one of the reasons I think, despite the fact that Anduin is wandering around in a set of plate armor and carrying a big freaking sword, he's never been called a paladin because paladins are a specific mindset. They fuse the concept of martial discipline. To the concept of wielding the light, to using the light, to and I think they do wield the light. I think that's how they look at it. They look at the light as a member. It's a part of their arsenal. It's their armor and their shield and their sword. It's the hammer they smite. You know that's how they look at it. That's how they conceptualize it. And I think Zoval was was testing everybody he grabbed. And it's very interesting to me that when you listed the people that he that he got, you didn't list the one person he failed to get bolvar no tyrande you never mentioned her yeah but you I, so you in, know in, right sylvanas went after tyrande just like the rest of them i yes and, and, the only and she reason- failed to get her because Taronda, you know, just basically annihilated the forces she sent after her. But think about why would you want Tyrande if you're looking at that group of people? Because I think you've got a real good point about the
0: people you've got. Yeah, and I think uh, Tyrande falls into that category as well, but it, as is evident by the fact that she has internalized the power of Aluna in the Night War.
1: But, but she went from, she used to look at herself as a servant. She used to look at herself as someone who called out to Elune mm-hmm. for grace and power. And then she changed And she doesn't ask any. No, she doesn't. And I think that that right there, that's what we're dealing with in terms of why is Anduin suitable and the rest of them aren't. Anduin has a humility. He has kind of like, he doesn't believe, if anything, Anduin's faith might be stronger than anybody's, but his faith is in an outside force and not himself.
0: Yeah. And if you look at... I was going to say, and if you look at folks like Thrall, Thrall is just now starting to be able to call back out to the, his faith is just starting to become a thing. Again
1: yeah, and it's definitely not in himself. He doesn't have enough faith in himself or in the elements. Yeah. He's so- just starting to regain it. Uh, is a mage. Faith doesn't enter into it. No, it's, Gina, a ba- it's a balance of power. It's, it's, yeah. it's knowledge, right? Jaina is to the arcane like a paladin is to the light. She wields it. She uses it. She doesn't trust it or have faith in it. She, it's, a, it's a force that she studies and applies through sheer intelligence. It's her mind. Jaina's personal faith is, is unshakable. Which is also she, why she
0: was one of the, the first one that we interact with in the Maw is running free, right? Like, mm-hmm. that's why she's in that position. And that's why Thrall is there as well, because he doesn't, he's not a concern, right? He's not, he's been tested, he's had the measure, let them run around and exhaust themselves. It doesn't matter. Yeah,
1: and, and you'll notice, I think you pointed this out, and I, if it wasn't you, then it was somebody else. When we see Bane, no, what we, has yeah. been done to him?
0: Yeah, he's been possessed. He's been broken down. He has been inhabited by a spirit that... And
1: also, we have to go shopping with Thrall. Because oh, yeah, it's very cause... important that Thrall get the right smasher. He can't have substandard well, I mean, hitting equipment. Hitting
0: somebody with a crossbow is just not fun.
1: I mean, granted, his friend is literally dying if we don't get back soon. But, but let's take time to make sure he's got some, the proper pointy thing. A sword won't work. When mark, are you ever going
0: to be in that section of the mall again and be able to sample such delights, delightful words? I mean, come
1: but, but on. Getting back to it, though. I mean, I think it, I definitely think that you have a point. I just, I, when I was looking at what you were saying, I didn't want to just get into a tweet storm argument with but, you because, you know, we have a show and, and, and I and, can do it here. And, and I think, I think we're, we're, we're kind of
0: almost at the same point. I think we're on the opposite sides by like one step of the same line. And it's, I don't think that like, to, to, to make sure I'm clear on this, I don't think Zoval is like getting inside of him a hundred percent and taking over. I think he is exerting control over him like a puppet, but it's still Zovall in control. It's his consciousness at that
1: point. Yeah, but I, again, like when you're flying a drone plane, you are not in the drone plane, but you are in control of the drone plane. And if you're looking through the camera, you're getting the perspective of the right. drone plane, but you're not still not in it. But that's, that's not my point. My point is that the light and the void, like the void, they, we're always hearing about how the void is... All these potentials it is you know every possibility is considered and conceived of and that's why it's maddening that's why you don't hear about people going mad from from you know dealing with the light you hear about people going mad from dealing with the void because there's too many options too many possibilities i submit to you that fanaticism is a kind of madness
0: yes it is
1: and certainty without doubt being unable to doubt being unable to question yourself being unable to say but what if this isn't true is a form of madness and it is a form of madness that light is incredibly good at inculcating in its followers. I don't think the light has a personality the way a person does. Not in the same and, regard, no. I don't. If I it think, does. It's not as complicated. I don't even know. I'm not. No. I will. I will go to my grave saying it is absolutely way more complicated. But it's when you are dealing with a cosmic principle like this. I think that it's it is what you bring to it that is important. Anduin's always been extremely strong with the light. He's always been capable of doing amazing things. With but it. he's
0: always been he's always been reverent. Of it.
1: Not ju- not just reverent. I mean that's that's fine. But reverence isn't the thing. It's that Anduin chooses. We talk again. I talked about it, the reason that I think that this is important is Anduin, despite wearing plate armor and carrying a sword around, isn't a paladin mm-hmm. because he does not view the light as a weapon. He does not view the light as part of his panoply. He doesn't view it as a tool. And part of the reason for that is that he does not believe in himself. And he never really has. If you look at Anduin coming up all his life, he's been, who's been there kind of as the antipode to him, his father Mm -hmm. and Anduin's reactions have always been to, he's always reacted like against what his father said that he couldn't accept, but That meant he had his father as a lodestone, as a guiding principle, as the thing to sometimes look up to and follow and sometimes to reject. He never developed who he was. And that, I think, is the reason Anduin is a good vessel. Because Anduin does not know the right thing to do. He knows what the wrong thing is. He knows that Sylvanas is wrong. But he doesn't actually know. He doesn't deepen himself. Like Tyrion believed up until he died... Tyrion believed the light would protect him. It's just that the light couldn't protect him from that. Cause he was like right in the middle of like the place where the fell was the strongest on Azeroth. And he just didn't have the, the power. Like, cause he, again, he viewed the light as a tool, as a weapon, as armor, as a shield, as a sword, as a hammer. He viewed the light as a thing that, you know, the light will protect me, you know, just like my armor protects me, but your armor can fail you. You know, your sword can break, your hammer can get dull. Like, I mean, well, it's already dull. It's a big chunk of metal, but you know where I'm going with this. Yeah. Uh, Anduin viewed Delight as a source of strength, and because of that, he never developed his own strength. When you look at the battle for Azeroth cinematic, I think this is super important for why Anduin is the one that the jailer fixated on.
0: Yeah, and and I think this is, uh, you're gonna you're gonna say the things that I, one of the things that I brought up. Please continue, but like I, I agree with that. and This is a pivot.
1: When Anduin at the battle for Azeroth cinematic and at the fight for Lordaeron. Anduin's call to the light—that massive surge of power—is when he has given up on the ability to win that fight. He doesn't indomitable. He isn't the kind of person like Gen. Gen doesn't stop fighting.
0: No, he could be—he could be losing on a ship that's falling out of the air, and he'll still fight to the last breath. That's it. You
1: see it in that in that thing. He—he—you know—he wrecks up Sorfang. Mm-hmm. He wrecks Sorfang. He puts Sorfang on his ass and goes to to grab Anduin and then gets himself electrocuted because he took his he took his eyes off the pride. If, if he hadn't been trying to get to Anduin, he would have taken he would have taken uh Zoval not Zoval, he's not Zaval, oh my God. He would have taken Zakhan's head off. Oh, easily. But because he wasn't paying attention, he got taken out. That's the problem with the disciplined, orderly, focused warrior types, is there's only so much you can see. There's only so much you can do. Anduin gave up. he he, he specifically gave up his ability to fix this and he reached out and called to the light and i think that that's the main difference between anduin and a paladin it's the reason why somebody like bane is never gonna would never have been suitable bane is a spiritual person he believes in in his ancestors he talks to them he even talks to his own father Yeah. but he makes his own decisions when his father came to him and and they talked about defending garash at the trial it was not you know, Bane decide, decided to do it. He didn't, he asked, he got guidance, but he made the decision. Anduin is not comfortable doing that yet.
0: No, and, and he's he's not, he hasn't gotten to that point where he, I hate to say, like, feel like he can, but like, we haven't gotten there yet. There's still yeah. so much broken that he has yet to.
1: And a few times he it. has, you know, obviously he was him, he, was, he has made decisions, He stood up, but we saw it with uh with N'Zoth too. When Nazoth was coming through, of all the leaders of Azeroth, it was Anduin who fell to it. Mm-hmm. Anduin who, was, who grew outrageously angry and struck Rathian. Now, did Rathian have it coming? Yes. A thousand times yes. I could watch and- Rathian get punched in his smar- smarmy face over and over again d- until the end of time. And I, I like Rathian, but he totally deserved that punch in the face. But it was not an Anduin thing to do because Anduin doesn't know who he is yet. And he hasn't had time to just process his grief, look at the world, and decide who he is and he keeps getting thrown like you know I, I one of the things of all this stuff happening to him is if he ever gets a chance to process it, he might be the most amazing king who ever lived, but he hasn't had that time and now he's doing these things he's he's obviously doesn't want to be doing them they're clearly not you know as you pointed out, there's that look of horror and regret on his face before the armor lights back up and he you know he goes back into stone face mode I, I definitely think that what we're learning here is that the light is in its own way just as much a cypher as the void the void does not have an identity the void is we, we can be anything there's there's so many everything is possible there's a thousand truths the light is like no there's only one truth what is it there's only one truth you gotta tell us what it is you know does the light ever actually show you the truth look look at velin Villain had prophecies, but they were never the same prophecy. He never got an answer. It never just sat down and told him, this is what's true. Isn't that interesting that the light never actually tells you anything?
0: Yeah, it, and and I think that's it's rather telling about the light in general. Uh but I, I think that's I think that's what makes the naru even more compelling. Is the result of the light and the people that we know that can call upon it, they don't get direction but the Naru seem to have direction and we don't
1: know where they get. And that's what interested me about the whole thing with Anduin, the whole thing about calling it. The whole thing, The reason I'm, I'm on this track is quite simple. I honestly really believe that the light just does, it does what you bring to it. I don't think that you can really say that you control the light. Like when I say they wield it as a weapon, I don't think that's because the light is helpless and can't resist them. I think it's because the light uses what you bring. So there's a, there's a,
0: uh, a real world analog that I kind of use to compare this to, uh, and and I think you're on the right track with it. I think it's the individual that sort of acts as a filter for the light when the light enters. This is kind of what's trying to. It's the same thing with like painting, with clear paint or, or translucent paint. The underpaint, uh, the undercoat makes such a big difference. The undershading, how you color everything before you uh, apply that filter to it, before you put that color over top of it uh, makes such a big difference. And that's what defines your highlights, your everything else, and how deep or bright the colors are. It's sort of the same thing with the light in the person. Like, Velen is that type of person who, he's not a war, right? He's very priestly, very sagely, but he's very, very I guess sagely would be the best way to put it. He's very lead through thought and process things and be more methodical about it. Uh, Not necessarily a spiritual leader, although he kind of is, but more of a a thinker's man. And when he calls out to the light, that's how it manifests through him. That's, yeah, he can do some really cool things, but that's those visions. That's those uh, prophecies. It's knowledge. It's thinking. It filters in a way that he kind of...
1: I'll notice something. You'll notice something when you when you deal with Velen. Velen changed his entire approach in Legion. Mm-hmm. And he was, like I see, he said, we're done running. We're done worrying about fate. And nothing changed. Yeah. Like, he could still use the light yep. just as he always had. It, it, The light didn't care how he approached it.
0: No, it just started started applying its power through him as a different filter. Because I don't filter. think
1: that's the case. I don't think it applied its power through him. I honestly feel like it's more like, um, we're gonna go with a comic book thing here, guys. Sure. I think it's like a Green Lantern power.
0: Yep, 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 yep.
1: The Green Lantern power battery and the power rings, the, the force that they tap into is like considered part of the emotional spectrum. It's willpower. This is really complicated You'd have to read the comics, but the point being, the ring and the power that the ring draws upon is used differently by everybody who uses it the ring does not decide what you do with it right but you you can you if you're strong enough of will you can use the ring's power to do awful things yeah um cal jordan killed all the green lanterns at one point but Uh, granted he was possessed by an alien entity blah blah whatever in fact that's probably (laughs) important to this too if we really wanted to get into it but i don't want to spend my entire day talking about green lantern but but the point being i think that that light is simultaneously a force with a personality and a perspective although a cosmic one and yet it is a power source yeah that's and it, and it can be these two things because it is the light benefits by us using it the light benefits by people touching it you, you were talking about Forge, and i was thinking about it a lot in terms of why why make Forge, and i don't think the Forge exists As like, you kind of sounded like you were saying they were batteries or forward stations where they they bring the light to places the light would not normally go.
0: No, I don't. I don't think that that wasn't my intention.
1: But the reason that you'd have a light forge, the reason that you that the light wants to be out in the world is that the light is in this war between light and void about potentiality and, and possibility and truth. The light is literally the concept of illumination. And illumination is revealing things. When you, you can't reveal things without secrets. If you don't mm-hmm. have secrets, you don't have anything hidden, there's nothing to reveal. But once you've revealed them, you codify them. You make them something. Anduin is, I think that the fascinating thing about Anduin is how he has not codified himself yet. And as a result, every time he touches the light, he touches it as a supplicant yeah and and that's kind and of what he,
0: I, that's kind of what i was getting at too is like not necessarily the light being like a battery source only or a living entity no, no, you, only but with anduin it, it's you're i it, that's i think is really the, the the point that i was trying to make is like he is a a supplicant a supplicant is a great word sorry it's it's just it's you know, a perfect word I,
1: for it. I look at like other people who've basically served the light at some point and how they failed and how they fell Look at Archbishop Benedictus, who by all accounts was extremely devout, but he was rigid. He was inflexible. And when he was finally shown the void by Deathwing and his Deathwing servants, when he was shown that you know there are all these things that can't be simultaneously true, but they can all exist at once, even though they can't. And he just broke. He snapped. He could still touch the light. The light didn't turn away from him. Even while he was a full-on servant of the Void, even while he was the Twilight Father, he could still go into Stormwind Cathedral and give a sermon and reach out with the Holy Light and heal people, and did which is also, for years.
0: It's also the same, I, I don't want to say justification, but that's why we can have shadow priests that can just not yeah, just him, but like, yeah. We
1: there's... have shadow lights that can touch light, but more importantly, priests like Anduin can touch shadow. Yeah. And that's... These things, they're cosmically opposed, but I'm starting to get the sense that it is the conflict between them is all in mortals. It's all the beings that touch them that bring this conflict that by themselves, they would simply exist in interplay the way light and shadow does in, in the world. You go outside and you see a shadow being cast. The shadow is not involved in a cosmic war with the light. The two forces, the two things just exist. And that to me, I think that that is fascinating. It isn't, the light doesn't want to destroy the void. The void doesn't necessarily want to destroy all existence. Although we, you know, we, we know the void lords exist, but the void lords are not the void. No, the
0: void lords are the void made manifest in a, they're entities,
1: they're entities of void. But once you end, once you take on existence, once you become a thing, you're you're not, you're not more importantly, you now exist. The void doesn't exist. The void is all about not existing. (laughs) That's what the void is. The void is the cosmic principle of non-existence of void. Void is nothing. And so once you are something, even if you are the something of nothing, you're something and therefore you change it. And that's what I think is what we're getting to see here. We're starting to see that, you know, the jailer keeps talking about how death shouldn't be chained up, but the jailer isn't death. The jailer, you know, Cha- harnesses death, channels the power of but death. But he is
0: not himself. It's not
1: death. death. No. And that's all these places in the Shadowlands where we keep talking, hearing about death and talking about death. They're not death. And the Shadowlands is not death. Because even then they say you could, you'll die your true death. Well, if there's this thing as true death, that isn't you. You are not. This is not a realm of death. It's a realm of the dead. But it's not a realm. There's just a lot to this that I find really interesting. And I know that, that I'm kind of co-opting what you were talking about, but I think the two things slide together. I think that this concept that Anduin was chosen for his, his, you know, ability to call out to the light, to, to basically let go of himself and become a vessel of something else. I definitely think that's important. And I think you're you're on track as to why Zoval thought he'd make a good vessel. But I also think that it is inherently an Anduin. Mm-hmm. Like, and and I think that's one of the reasons, like you'll notice that all the previous Lich Kings... Were either, you know, Nerzul, as you pointed out, didn't have a body in the first place. Yep. There was no, nothing to, no drone to pilot or car to drive, however you want to look at it. Arthas, very strong-willed. Bolvar, maybe not quite as strong-willed as Arthas, maybe, but way more disciplined. I was just going to say disciplined and devoted. Devoted, but, you know, he wasn't a paladin. Not, not in the same way, right? Like it, to me, no. it's like it's a devotion to his people. Actually, like, was Bolvar a paladin? That's why his mom or la- whoever Lady Mara Fordragon was, we don't know for sure that she was his mom. But Lady Mara Fordragon almost certainly was a paladin. He was uh, uh, Bolvar was a paladin. Okay, so definitely, you, I definitely think that you've got that similar kind of mindset. They both viewed the light as a tool, as a weapon, as armor, as a shield, and all that. But Arthas had more righteousness, like self righteousness. Yes. But he had that concept of. You know I'm right I, I am serving right I'm there serving was nothing that. there was nothing
0: to break down right because like trying to break him down and trying to say cast more doubt into him, you look at his run up through putting the crown on every like he had these doubts but then he would be reassure himself this is the only decision even when he was confronted with his uh, closest allies and friends and confidants and saying there has to be another way. He was like, nope, there's no other way. this is absolutely what I have to do. gonna go kill
1: a whole city be right back. Like, yeah and Bolvar t- in in indeterminate like art has always viewed himself like he, he says you know i'm doing this for my people but they're his people yeah bolvar served the he served someone else his entire life he was you know when he was regent of stormwind he wasn't the king of stormwind he was regent he was holding it for anduin when you know as a paladin as the regent as a servant of king varian he was always somebody else's servant not in a bad way and not like you know i'm not saying that he was a slave or anything but he always put someone else before himself in a way arthas never did he was arthas, selfless yeah arthas put himself he he put like he he assumed that his needs and his nation's needs were the exact same thing so he was trying to do right for his people but he just felt that that meant doing what was right for him ultimately mm-hmm. uh, he wouldn't have put it that way but that's how it ended up working out Bovar Never would have stopped. If if he was told, you know, okay, we can stop the Lich King right here, but you'll have to die. He would have been okay. And, and a matter of fact, we even see that in his
0: backup plan, right? Like, in mm-hmm. the, whole, the whole short story leading up to this, that was his plan. That was 1,000% his plan was, hey, I'm going to go and do something really, really stupid and keep you guys at arm's length. And at the right time, you're going to come in and kill me and we'll be good. Like, that was his whole plan because... That's what he needed to do. That's what he felt he needed to do make that sacrifice of himself to make sure he didn't become that corrupted vessel.
1: But I think that, the, again, that we come back to that. If you look at all these people that the the jailer sent Sylvanas to grab, um, or perhaps Sylvanas made the decisions on who to grab, that's still up in the air. But if you look at the ones that were grabbed, uh, if you look at, for instance, Jaina, Thrall, Bane, Anduin, and Taranda, and since so those are the five that we actually see them go for, Anduin is unique. Amongst them, in that he's kind of absorbed a little bit of that concept of service that Bolvar had, mm-hmm. but he doesn't have the life experience or the discipline yet. And I'm not saying he's undisciplined; he's actually very disciplined for a person his age. But we get to see a little bit of this in in the uh, the Shadows Rising novel, where he, you know, he he would love to just go and be a cow. And not, well, maybe not a kid anymore because he's old enough. He never got to be a kid. And that's, I think that 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 bears down to it. Like he he didn't, he lived his entire life told in a a weird way, it sort of does mirror Arthas. They're told their entire lives, this will be what you are. Mm -hmm. You have to be ready to do this. And Arthas never got a childhood. He was always preparing for that role. He now, he wanted it. He 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 wanted to be king, but he was like Simba in the in the Lion King. You know, I just can't wait to be king. He didn't he didn't understand how the the weight of it. Anduin always understood the weight, and as a result, he dreaded it. Mm-hmm. He didn't want it. He didn't want to be king. If if Varian had had another kid, if there'd been somebody else there that could have taken this, I I am positive Anduin would have abdicated. Oh yeah. If if there was like, if he had like a twin brother who was super into it, but like it was a little younger, like came out like a little later or like a, you know, a 17 year old sister who really likes killing things, he would have been like, are you sure you don't want to be rule? I can step aside for you. And it sounds like I'm criticizing his diffidence and, and I'm not because everybody has a flaw. Anduin's flaw is while he, that he has taken selflessness to the point where he does not know who he is. Yeah, and and I would agree. And no. nothing
0: and nothing that's happened in the course of even the last several years in game has afforded him even the the opportunity to begin for him. Yeah, or view exactly. Who
1: he, is. he knew who he was. He knew who he was when he had people to be against. Like when he had somebody to like okay, well I'm not my father. He knew who he wasn't. And that's great. While you're still young and you still have time and, to develop. Oh, and you know, and now consider this as well: but like his father's gone, the only person he,
0: re- uh, his his porter's gone. Uh, why can't I think of his name now? Willie, thank well. you. Uh, so he's gone. Uh, the only person that really is around for him to foil himself against is Gen, who gen's problem is he's gen uh he's a very very specific type of personality especially yeah, and- with the curse of the worgen all the alliance leaders have their own things that they're dealing with Taronda and malfurion
1: are no longer there to,
0: to to give him counsel
1: not that they were ever really great at giving him counsel in the first place i don't don't know that they ever really interacted jaina though but jaina's gone she's got her own stuff to deal with yeah. with Kal'Thiris, and and he would have a big thing with with mer with uh, magni yep and Magni is now off being the Speaker of Azeroth. Like you get, there's that moment where Magni comes back. Gelbin, during the, and, and Gelbin's now in Yeah. So there's and and even Bane who was like a friend to him. They don't. There's no interaction anymore because they're both separate in their their re- leadership roles. There's Anduin's real problem is at some point he just needed somebody. Oddly enough, if he'd had more time with Rathian, I think he'd be a better he'd be a better ruler for it. He'd be a better person for it. Not that he's a bad person, but he would have had the chance to really just go get into scrapes and figure out he was on the path to do this.
0: Well,
1: think about it this way, like and
0: this is the way that I frame it for a lot of folks. We are the sum of all of our parts throughout our life experience. Whether it's the good choices we make, the mistakes we make, and learning from those mistakes, all of it flows together anduin's in a situation where if he makes mistakes people die he's not afforded that same wiggle room so like he he's in a, a day-to-day even when he's not at war his decisions affect thousands of people
1: yeah and look at if you look back to mr pandaria anduin was a lot more confident in his decision making back then partially because he knew his father was around to to, mm-hmm. to deal with the consequences but also look what happened to him like he didn't he got Wrecked. He got him most most of his bones broken. Yeah, he was healed, but the thing about the holy light healing you is it doesn't magically fix you exactly. So yes, he was healed and he's fine now. He can move around, but he he still has the remains of that damage in him. Like he still feels it from time to time, getting shattered. And there's that moment where Garash and, and he are talking, and I honestly think that it's a damn shame Garash is dead. Because I think of all the people on Azeroth, only Garage Hellscream would understand that what Anduin is going through. I said that the other day and I got so much hate for it, but I agree but here, with you 100%. Yeah. Here, I'm going to say it because that way you guys can give me the grief that you gave Joe. Garage Hellscream grew up with this towering figure that he was defining himself against. He didn't want to be oh, like yeah, his his name, his legacy, everything about him. He was defining himself against that. Then someone comes along and says, no, no, your father did this great thing. He saved us. And Garrosh then tried to be like his father. He was thrust into the role of being like his father. But he, but he wasn't really like him. Garrosh Hellscream was n- not Grom Hellscream. And I mean, just look at the two of them. They're different people. They're not just like mentally different. They're physically different. Grom is this, for an orc, slim, uh, you know, wiry. I mean, granted, he's an orc, so still, you know, jacked. But compare him to other orcs, and he stands differently. He moves differently. Garrosh is much bigger than his dad was. Mm-hmm. He's, he's a brute. and But he's not stupid, and I'm not saying he's stupid. He's actually very clever. He's actually a bit smarter than his father, quite frankly. Uh, he is the kind of guy who, when given a situation, he's sort of like captain Kirk in a way you give garage Hell'scream a no win scenario. And he cheats immediately. He's like, no, we'll do this crazy thing. Like we, you know, we'll, we'll lure the entire Alliance military into this one spot and blow it up with a mana bomb. They won't see that coming. And they wouldn't have, they didn't see it coming. If it weren't for like Jaina and, and Ronan, it would have worked. Like Garrosh's plans are nuts, but they would have worked. Um, the only reason Garrosh didn't ultimately win is that he kept pushing him. He kept pushing things further than his the people he's trying to lead were comfortable going. Mm-hmm. But smart as hell, and dealing with the legacy of a, of an absent parent who was not really there when you were growing up for various reasons, and then you're you're suddenly forced to deal with it. And there's that conversation the two of them have uh, in in um war crimes not. More Crimes, thank you. Where, you know, Ani gets really mad because he thinks that Garrosh is saying he's like Arthas. He goes, and, and he's like, I'm nothing like Arthas. And, and Garrosh says, I worry that I am. Or something to that effect, like, I think sometimes that I am. And I think that's really telling. I think of all the people, if Garrosh hadn't died and ended up in Revendreth, he might have made an amazing vessel. Yeah, probably. Because he's been looking for an identity his whole life. He's been looking for a way to like, and and he's just like Arthas in that that drive to save his people, that you know they both had, and and that inability to identify the difference between your people and you. garage love him or hate him, he wanted to save his people. He just didn't know how his people even were.
0: In his final moments, you even you even see it. It's it's a it, that's what he's trying to convey to Thrall. It's you left me to figure this out and I had no idea what to do. And then you weren't here to, you didn't mm-hmm. give me anything. I had to figure this
1: out on my own. And now you blame me. You made me what I am. Yeah. And he, he's absolutely right. I think of all the people on Azeroth or in the afterlife. Now garage would be the one to understand. Anduin. that, that he is dealing with situations that he didn't, he wasn't qualified to deal with and no one, no one can really help him deal with it. And I just, I, I I really feel like Anduin as people keep saying, "Oh, he's been he's just another boring Blizzard corruption story." He's Ain't not corrupted, corrupted. yeah. That's the tragedy here. Anduin yeah. is not doing this because he's corrupt and malevolent now. Anduin is completely helpless, forced to watch it happen.
0: Yeah, and that's even. And think about that. That's worse, right? Like, yeah, absolutely. He's, worse. he's completely cognizant that his body is doing things that he's not to do. And like, I, I go back to the show Supernatural every now and then, uh, and like, go back to like the demonic or the angelic possessions in that show. The personalities can either be suppressed. And made to sleep, and so they don't know what's going on. Or as a torture, they can keep them awake and see everything that's being done. And that's what's happening. And and it, that's and I think that's one of the, the the most interesting things about this is, unlike Arthas, unlike any of the other corruption stories, he's he's cognizant of what's happening around him. And I think that is incredibly important. Um, and I yeah, don't... absolutely. But I don't know if that's intentional. And that's the thing. Like, that's the part. The last part of what I was uh, talking about yesterday was I don't know if him being forced to watch what's happening is intentional or if Zolval doesn't understand that pieces of him are still uh, cognizant of what's happening, and if that's a direct result of—and I said this the other day to to, to Ted, who made a very good point—I understand a lot of paladins out there and a lot of the light wielders that play this game are very upset. They think that the light has abandoned Anduin. I don't think the light did, and I think the fact that he can be cognizant and fight back against the suppression, or is even still there is proof that there's still something else going on and that i don't think he's a hundred percent gone and corrupted and i think that he might be insulated just a little
1: i don't know like you know that's that's not something i i know about one way or the other but i do know this much a long time ago now we we got from a quest for crusader bride and brad yep uh in wrath of lich king the line the light does not abandon this champions yep and that goes back to me in my opinion, that's Zeliac. Yeah. The light light did not abandon Zeliak, even though he was now serving the Lich King. The light did not turn away from him. Uh, The light didn't turn away from Benedictus, who is, you know, evil and corrupt and trying to destroy Azeroth. The light didn't abandon him. I don't think the light is something that does not make that value judgment on you. The light doesn't. I don't want to say it doesn't care, but I think it doesn't care in the sense like Stephen Crane, the Stephen Crane's uh, poem, you know, a man said to the universe, "Sir, I exist." However replied the universe, "That fact does not create in me any sense of obligation." I think the light is just a sense of obligation. Like if you reach out to the light, the the whether or not the light answers is wholly down to you. The light is willing as far as it's willing to do anything to let anybody touch it. The Light wants to spread. The light wants to illuminate. It wants to light everything up. It wants to to reveal. The light is revel- revelatory in its nature. It doesn't conceal things. It shows you them. That's what it is. And so the light is being what it is. Um, Anduin can see. Anduin can experience. Anduin can have this revealed to him because the light is showing it to him because it's not allowing it to be shrouded in darkness. Is that possibly the case? I don't know. But or, I do think, or is it's it a sun- case
0: that the the light also has a sense of amplifying?
1: Well, you know, light warms you. If you stand in a sunny day, the light, you know, can warm you. If it's, but on a cold day, even it can be sunny as all heck, and the light doesn't necessarily do anything. Mm-hmm. If you ever been outside? Like I, you know, I live in Canada. I've been outside in negative thirty days where the sun was so bright I had to wear like thick sunglasses. Yep. Like, you know, it it doesn't necessarily warm you up. It's still cold. Um, and that's the the interesting thing about the, the various since this is like it's simultaneously a cosmic force and a metaphor, and so it does things that are metaphoric that are about its narrative purpose as much as anything else um i I do think this is a fascinating thing to watch. I don't think it's just the light abandoning champions, but I do also think that paladin players love to ignore that a whole bunch of really devout paladins got their butts whooped during the third war um they they got killed, they got turned into death knights in some cases um. Satan Dathrathon was as devout a paladin as existed, and he died horribly and got worn like a suit by a dreadlord. The light didn't save him from that. Um, I'm trying to think of the guy. Oh, he's always the—he's the last of the five original paladins. He's the one that we saw again during the gathering the shards of Frostmorn artifact quest. I can never remember his bloody name. Are you there, by the way? I'm here. Okay, good. I, I, but that guy—you know—he got—he got spanked by Arthas when he was a death knight. Uther died to Arthas mm-hmm. Uther. Now the light did not stop that from happening. The light may have like done something to his soul when it was getting ripped out of him. That's an interesting thing that the light may have done. The light doesn't always just save you and fix your problems. Sometimes the light is less. a. It's not a shield or a sword or an armor. It's, it's more of a consolation or a revelation. So I, I definitely think we've got a lot more to learn about the light because of this. And I do think you're onto some interesting tracks, but I have my own thoughts on that. And I definitely also think that we're going to learn a lot more about the void as a result. And I really do think that we're going to find out that it's these cosmic forces. It's not them. It's us. We're the ones because we're we are flawed, complicated mortal beings. And we bring ourselves to them. The void doesn't want to drive you insane. It doesn't care about you at all. Just you go insane.
0: Oh, and that's it. We didn't do that. I just did the void elf intro. That's that's 100% accurate. (laughs) Like, And I think you're right. I think that one of the things that's going to be come out as a result of this is over the course of this expansion, maybe not necessarily in 9.1, it's we're going to find out so much more about the light, so much more about the void, and I think it's going to be interesting in how it's presented. And I think those revelations are going to be very important moving forward uh, to what comes, because, I, and I said this in you know my tweet storm yesterday... I think the light for created for a reason, and I don't necessarily think it's like a battery, but I don't know what, and I think it's going to start becoming a little more present soon enough. Uh, But I think there's parallels that are, that we're going to start to see. I'm absolutely intrigued of where we're going. And honestly, like, I, I don't know. Aside from, aside from, from Anduin probably going to be surviving a whole bunch of trauma because, well, he's going to survive a whole bunch of trauma. I, I, Where else do you want his, like his particular story to go? And what do you think? Oh, you're
1: asking me. I thought you were going to tell me. No, sorry. Uh, (laughs) I thought Joe was going to tell me what I wanted. Um, No, I, I I don't, here's the thing. I don't, uh, this is going to sound bad, but I don't mean it in a bad way. I don't care where Anduin's story goes. I'm interested to see where it goes, but I don't care what it is. I just want to see what it is. Does that make sense? Like, I have nothing right now. I have no stake in what Anduin's fate is. If it turns out that he comes through this and becomes a more, a more fleshed-out character, too, totally down for it. Um, if he breaks and or dies, okay, cool, interesting story. Like I, I feel like they could go in a lot of different directions with this, and, it, and all of them would be interesting to me. Um, and also, to a certain degree, I, I want them to start bringing up some of those B stories. Like I really, I feel like. I, I I know they've said they're going to do so, and I totally want to see. I want more Taranda. I want to see that get dealt with. Um, I want to see the whole deal with a loon get dealt with, although I don't necessarily want to know like more about a loon. Like, I kind of like the fact that we don't know what a loon is, and mm-hmm. I would like kind of like to continue not knowing what a loon is. Um, but we've been talking about Anduin this whole time, and we have not been talking about Sylvanas. We don't have a lot of time left, but. There's a lot to talk about with Sylvanas.
0: Yeah, I, I'm i going to keep my thoughts on it short because I think we can probably spend a whole episode just talking about her. I honestly think, and I'm starting to, to change my perspective on her a little bit. At one point I was thinking that she was going to be playing the long game with everything involved, that this was all part of a plan that she had uh, from the very beginning after starting to deal with these things. I don't think that's the case anymore. And I think that the rails are starting to come off the track because what's happening right now is you're starting to get these these furtive looks from her, and it's very very telling. We talked about this with our interview with Steve, and the it, it, Matt brought up the point like how much storytelling the cinematic can tell now with the in game engine and the CG. And everything that they do, in particular with facial animation. And I encourage all of our listeners out there to go back and re-watch all of the videos with uh, the cutscenes, as painful as they are, even like the burning of Teldrassil and everything through, that has direct Sylvanas in it. And you can start to see there's doubt creeping into her. This isn't what she signed up for. And I think that she may have actually been like, And I think she's starting to actually start to realize that she got And I don't know how that's going to end, but it's definitely she's not in that same confident, overbearing place she was in Battle for Azeroth. In Battle for Azeroth, she was headstrong. She was sure every time you dealt with her, it was almost borderline arrogant uh, overpresence of herself. Like, I'm right. I know what's going on. But now you're starting to see those looks, and especially in that scene where like Anduin's puppet body hands of all the sword with the 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 rune and even she's starting to look like this this is not what i saw and it's it's fascinating and i'm not saying yeah, that, I, i'm not saying it absolves her from anything she does and i want to make that perfectly clear out there folks. no no I,
1: I i there's a i saw a really interesting tweet by somebody today and if you're the person who tweeted it i apologize that i can't remember but one of the things that it made the point was like you know the time for her to be having these are you know are we the baddies revelations was before she burned thousands of people to death Oh yeah, agreed. And that's that's absolutely the case. Um, but I do think, to a certain degree, she—we've all been there. They, They've—they've not—not to the point where we will burn thousands of people, but we've all doubled down on a mistake. What, we've what, all, it, what did you say
0: earlier in this podcast? Fanaticism is its own madness.
1: Yeah, and we've all basically felt the sunk cost fallacy has has gotten us all at one point or another. So most of us. It's something stupid. Like, you know, I really thought I could, could watch that dog for a weekend and it turned out I couldn't, uh, it's not, I oopsie burned thousands of people, but there is that I, you watch her throughout battle for Azeroth. And I remember thinking at the time battle for Azeroth, that cinematic, the, uh, the Warbringer short with her, that's her losing control. Mm-hmm. She, and I will never believe that that was just all part of her plan. She no, had, no she was out of control. And she's out of control. Again, it's a very similar to Arthas thing. There's a lot of Arthas parallels with her in this expansion and in the previous one. It's that I'm right. I see the truth. I know how these things really are. You you know, if you just do what I want, we can, we can break the chains and have a new existence, one that's fair and just and doesn't do these horrible things to us. And now she's like finding herself wading deeper and deeper and deeper into the horrible things. And to her, killing those people wasn't that big a deal. Because how many people has she killed? How many people have died? In, in death is ultimately the problem in the first place. We're and not only that, but at this dead. point
0: she knows there's an afterlife of some sort anyway. Yeah. So we all
1: die. We all die anyway, so it's not that big a deal. But now she's watching she's watching Anduin be puppeted around, and that's she remembers that. Oh yeah, she does. That was her. She was that. She was the banshee mindlessly well not mindlessly because she was aware but forced
0: against her will to oh, yeah. enact
1: yeah, she couldn't stop it. She literally took part in the destruction of Silver Moon because Arthas made her do so. And she couldn't she couldn't resist him. She couldn't get free. She was trapped and unable to control her own body. Couldn't even it wasn't even her body. She wasn't even in a body. She was like like this she was wailing phantasm. Yeah. Yes. So there is a lot to that. There's a lot to cover, but I don't know that we we don't really have the time, unfortunately. I think we're actually even slightly over at this point.
0: I, at this point, I think we're good to keep. We I got plenty of time, so if you got more to say, say it.
1: I just I I don't I really don't feel like I think I need half an hour, but <laughs> I, I do I do think that there's a lot to be said about that point where you realize you know, how far the, the things you've been told were, were just true enough to get you here. Yep. And you, you thought you, you thought you understood because you are. Sylvanas is, is very used to being one of the smartest people in the room. And yep. she's very used to being able to outmaneuver any situation she's in. And we saw that in battle for Azeroth. We saw even when the Alliance came into Lordaeron in force, she's just sitting in the throne room waiting for them. She and just plan for it. Yeah. She, yeah, she, knew how to get around to it. and she always does. That's her, that's her thing when she's not driven past her you know tolerance, when she's not she doesn't snap or lash out, she's the consummate planner. And so now she's starting to realize, oh, this thing I'm dealing with doesn't even view me, it doesn't view me as a, anything. I'm I'm a tool to it. Mm-hmm. Just like Anduin said, when Anduin said you're just a tool to it. That that look and, on her face, she started
0: like that was in that moment. It's yeah, that's why she got so angry in that particular moment. It's
1: starting to ring true. And there's Again, I you know, not t- totally not on board with the whole idea that at the end of this Sylvanas should come back and be in the Horde in no, no, going too far for that. But I definitely don't think she's we, we found out she's a raid boss in the upcoming raid. She is the last boss of the the uh, Sanctum of Domination I think it's called. Yeah, not um, not the last boss of this expansion, folks. Just people, the next raid, just the, the next raid. raid. But I don't think she'll be dead at the end of. Or I, well, obviously she is dead. Her existence will be, not cease. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She will still be moving around and such at the end of it. I think it's going to be kind of like um when, when the Shara, where Shara didn't die when we fought her, she just that,
0: Yeah, re- I, retribution retribution takes many forms than just unmaking an
1: experiment. But, but I I definitely think that that is the culmination of the fact that that she's there at the sanctum implies that in a way she's been abandoned. Yeah. And she knows it. And and I think that there's there's a lot going on with her, a lot going on with her characterization, a lot going on with how she and Anduin have interacted that I think will we'll move forward. I, I think that she, in a weird sort of way, she respected Varian more, and she definitely views Anduin as naive. But at the same time, he, every time she's pushed him on it, he hasn't budged. For all that I talked before about he doesn't know who he is, Anduin's great at knowing what he's not. Yeah, he, he
0: knows his line. Like he knows, he knows that line that he, he doesn't lose control and cross that line, right? He knows where his, his stopping point, which is sort of the foil or antithesis to, to what Solanis is. Because
1: basically showed that there was nothing she wouldn't do. Yeah. Because she's so sure of who she was and what her purpose was that she didn't have a line. And now she's finally at the point where she's looking back and going. How is this making what I wanted to make? How are we doing what I wanted? How are we not just setting this guy up as a puppet, as a as the master to rule us all and put us all in chains? Cause up to this point, she she kind of agreed with his idea of smashing the machinery to death and creating a fairer world. But this guy isn't going to make a fair that that doesn't matter to him in the slightest. Look at what he's doing to Anduin. Mm-hmm. That's not somebody who cares about fairness. You know, and so that's there's a lot to it. But I, I don't feel like I can And I also think it's very telling. We'll need to do another show just about this.
0: Yeah, I think so too. But the last thing I'll say is I also think it's very telling that Zolval never interacted with Sylvan. And I think there's a... But we can get back into that at, at the next episode. Uh, folks, thank you very much for joining us on this journey. Blizzard Watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash blizzardwatch. Your continued support means this podcast site and community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, a better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the queue and an ads-free site experience. And if you do have questions for this podcast or the other podcast, be sure to send them into to podcast at blizzardwatch.com. Again, singular. Uh, we didn't get a whole lot of questions i'm guessing you guys are still processing what happened at blizzcon but we are looking for them if email isn't your thing and you are a patreon supporter which again thank you we do have a channel set aside specifically for patreon uh q and podcast questions uh go ahead and toss it in there and if you can't be a patreon supporter we understand times are tough uh and you don't like doing email but you do the discord thing we do have one set aside for podcasts and q questions uh but with that we will see you folks Well, next week.
1: Don't blame me. I voted for Infinite Pirate Dragons.